you know, Bob, if I don't save this business, it can't save you or anybody else. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi there, Abrahamers. It's Stephen here, and um, I'm going to record what we refer to as blog pods, which is simply I'm going to read something I wrote recently, and I'm going to throw in some color. It comes off the top of my head, so there's no mark. It's just me today, and um, I, I intentionally, provocatively called this um, business over people. Um, obviously, we don't I wouldn't, if I had a business that was dying and a person that was dying, I wouldn't try to save the business and lose the person. People are more valuable than businesses. Um, At the same time, um, the point I'm going to make in this, uh, in this, in today's podcast is that um, businesses are a platform that can serve many, many people. And so sometimes you have to choose uh, against an individual for the sake of the business, which you believe is going to serve a whole bunch of folks. And this isn't in my, uh, what I wrote, but I'll just say that when I, when I mention that, what comes to mind to me is, is ministry. Um, and ministry is, is, well, one, one definition of ministry is that it's, it's serving people like, like an Old Testament priest so that they can know God. And it's ironic that when you serve people so that you can make connections between them and God, you can do that so much and with so much of your time and so much of your energy that, one, you start to disconnect from God. And two, um, you start to give people not the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, but a sort of regurgitated patois of what you have known in the past and how you've talked to people in the past. And if all, if all that's on your mind is, I just got to help the next person, then your ministry in general can go down the tubes. And... Uh, again, I know this is ironic, but I will think to myself sometimes I have to protect myself, I have to protect my health, and I have to protect my, if you will, my ministry. And sometimes that means saying no to people. And again, I know that I'm not reading my my blog yet, which it'll be great when I do. You'll really love it. I'm winking when I say that. Um, but it it brings to mind in Mark 1 when... Uh, Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, hey, everybody's looking for you. And he, I wonder how long he sat on that request and just stared them down and then said, well, we're going somewhere else. And um, Jesus did not bend his life towards where the most people, because what I want more than anything is to be with the most people. He, he wanted to be about the people that he was called to, and so he had to say no 
to people who wanted him, as as happened in Mark 1. Hey, these people want you. They want you to come minister to them. And he just said, we're going somewhere else. Um, because there was something about staying connected to the heart of the Father and preserving the purity of his ministry, which is something that we each have to like protect. Paul talks about his ministry and serving his ministry. Um, he says, I make much of my ministry that we can't trade in for any one individual's needs in a moment. I know that sounds crazy, which is why I'm talking about it, because it's not always um, intuitive. We, If you're a, a bleeding heart person lover like I am, you tend to want to say yes to everybody and all requests you think are of equal value. Jesus didn't see it that way. He protected his alone time with the Father, and he protected his ministry. And I, and I really believe that is an analog to business, that there's something about protecting the health of your business that you can't compromise for one person's sake. So if you've got somebody, gosh, I really love this guy. We've built into this guy for years. Uh, he's been in an organization forever, and yet... We have seen, you know, morally, he, he has failed over and over again in the last year. Well, at some point, he starts to represent your business. And um, for the sake of your business, which you want to serve more than one person, you're going to have to cut that guy out um, and send him packing and say, sorry, this hasn't been corrected. You got to go because... We want something uh, sustainable and long-term in our business. All right, I'll start reading. And then I, of course, allow myself the right to interrupt myself at any point. Okay, my okay. this is it. Business over people. My first taste of managing employees came at a hair salon that I started with a good friend. It was and is a wonderful place. By the way, it's called High Five Salon. It's in downtown downtown Cincinnati. They do a great job. It's a very upbeat place. You'll love it. Full of creativity and love and great hairdos. We hired young stylists who had, one, a designer's eye regarding hair, and two, God's love streaming out of them. We made the space boho chic and kept things simple and clean and light. It was a great time. As I spent time with the stylist, though, I thought maybe we were missing part of the equation. So it was my it was my job to kind of help manage the employees and kind of watch over the business. Uh, understand this was a crew of creatives, not unlike a group of songwriters or graphic designers or video directors. They were selfless and they were visionary and idealistic and not really financially motivated. They, they did not think in terms of... Um, profit and loss. They they were thinking in terms of, was it a good day? You mean, did we do creative work and were people happy? So one day I got the whole team together before opening and I asked them, okay, everybody, what's the number one thing that has to, has to happen in this store today? I got out a, a marker, had a whiteboard behind me and I started jotting down the answers, which came forth with zest. These people were ready to give answers. We have to be loving. All right, I write that down, loving. We have to have great styles happen today. So I write great styles. We have to be considerate of each other, considerate of one another. We have to honor our schedule, right? Schedule. God bless them. They were pure hearted, every one of them. But after all, of the, they all gave their answers. I said, no, none of these things we listed are the number one thing that has to happen in this store today. 
the first and most important thing, and I'm saying most important for a reason, it's the most important thing that has to happen in this store today is we must turn a profit. That's the number one thing. And the energy in the room was just completely sucked out. They, you'd have thought I'd slapped them and insulted them all and told them that they weren't good at hairstyling. What a bummer. How crass. Of course, Stephen, the guy who only cares about business, is going to say that. Oh, listen, I said, I understand. You're talking to a guy who dropped out of business math in college because I didn't care about getting rich and maximizing profits and all that gross stuff. I wanted to talk to people and write songs and think about philosophy and pursue God. I'm not saying that money is more important than people or that finance triumphs love or anything. No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is practicality in our business. I went on to describe a really loving, super stylish salon that customers love and to whom they give all the likes and recos and best of the city kudos a business could ever hope for. And let's say that salon touches the lives of hundreds of people over the course of a month and each one walks out feeling loved and heard and cared for and nurtured and built into and they got great hairstyles, but they fail to turn a profit. What happens to that business? It goes under. And it has to close its doors, lock it, lights out, it's over. And when it closes those doors, all the great kindness and love goes with it, as well as all the jobs, the stylists and managers had enjoyed. It all ends because profitability is the on-off switch for everything that business had ever dreamed of doing. So, I said, if we believe that we have something meaningful to offer, if we really believe that God does indeed work through those of us who color and snip and style hair, and we really do, we did, we did believe that, then we have to keep an eye on profits. We have to be in the black or all is lost. If we aren't profitable, we have no platform for all the wonderful things we feel called and assigned to accomplish through our business. So my friends, try to upsell shampoo and hairspray and that clay putty that guys put into their hair or whatever I said. But you get the idea. The point is profitability equals viability. When a business is profitable, it owns the right to execute on all the killer stuff described in your vision and your value statements. You have those, right, by the way? Do you know why your company exists? And you know what godly good it's meant to express in the world? Do you? I, I hope you do. Because the point of your business isn't just to turn a profit. It's to bring some light of the kingdom of God's character even if you create widgets, the culture of your business itself should be one of godliness so that people experience honor and they experience honesty and they experience excellence. Certainly the people who work inside your company and hopefully anybody who does business with your company experiences all those things, even if your product is neutral, is morally neutral. Okay, so I'm assuming that you have those things. When a business is not profitable, then it doesn't matter what grand kingdom expression of glory the founders dreamt of it unveiling on this side of the Jordan. It was all just hot air and cotton candy dreams because they couldn't turn a profit. So this business dream has died. Now, 
We're hearing a lot of talk these days about how the making of money is evil, like capitalism is on trial right now in many quarters. And we're also told if you really care about people, you'll be happy to take a loss. Like, what does it matter if this program loses money or all of our schools lose money or those big bad uh, capitalists aren't turning their profits? Oh, those greedy losers. Um, in this cultural environment, many businesses are understandably loath to lay off their employees, not just because we care about our employees and I don't want them to lose their salary, but because I don't want to feel like those fat cat uh, guys that worship the bottom line and who are besmirched left and right in all of our, my gosh, in all of our media, all popular stories. I mean, movies, TV, everywhere. This, this, is, what, this is the bad guy. The bad guy is the one that, that worships the bottom line. Um, we don't want to feel like one of those people. There's no question that putting people out of work is not fun. I mean, it's totally regrettable. It's sad. It's, it's awful. Well, don't we wish we could only give good news to people all the time, that all of our interactions only encouraged them and made them happy, and that the only meetings we had about pay were for raises? Well, of course we do. But if you want to have any employees in the future, if you want your business to have any positive contribution to the world going forward, then profitability and the responsible management that ensures it rules. Bob, I'm sorry to tell you this. But in order to save this floundering company, I have to let you go. That is not an evil or an uncaring statement. My dad was an HR director for decades. He had many, 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 many uncomfortable conversations with employees. And many of them ended up in, you're fired and you need to gather your things. And um, you're going to have an escort with you until you're gone. And... No matter how great the reasoning was, those are never fun. I mean, my dad's a really loving, godly man. If you don't know that, go back, listen to a couple of podcasts with him. He is He's fun. He's upbeat. He's a positive guy. And yet, he didn't have any scruples about making that call, though it wasn't fun. Um, Bob might think, what about saving me? You, you're saving this big, stupid corporation. You're saving logos and stationery. What about saving me? You don't care about people. And, and a business owner or manager would say, you know, Bob, if I don't save this business, it can't save you or anybody else. It, it, it won't have saving power for anybody. It won't, it won't create any uh, financial support for anything if I don't save this business. See, business is a platform for service. As I've already said, it's not only the charged for service that it provides, but it provides an atmosphere of service for its employees. It provides a home base for skill building and kingdom culture expression. Business is a training program for stewardship and all that goes along with it. Things like forecasting, that's part of stewarding. You don't think that there's any forecasting working in the kingdom of God or running a family? How about negotiation? You think that's part of the deal? I mean, read the Bible. Empathy, 
that's part of the deal. That's a necessary skill. It's not, by the way, the end-all be-all, if I can just speak to where we are right now in America. Just listening isn't the end-all be-all, and it's not more important than truth. It's just an important skill. That is seeing things from others' standpoint, including your clients' standpoints and your vendors' standpoints, because you you have to be in the business of creating win-wins around you if you want to be a success. It's also a place for engendering hope and trust and all of those things that stewarding and shepherding over something entail. So when I say business over people as the title of this little podcast here, of course, I don't mean that we'd crush people for profits or that we'd lie or cheat to make a deal. I mean that a business that serves hundreds of people, when you consider all the relationships and all the beneficiaries of a business, shouldn't be sacrificed for one person. When someone has to be let go of for ethical reasons, even if we really love them, let them go. When the business shifts and you can no longer use a specialist you've been using, move on. When pay cuts have to happen for the business, even when you know your manager just bought a new house and needs all of their present income, Make the pay cuts. I hope I've established why that is. Because that platform, if it's not saved, it can't save, it can't protect or provide for anyone. Our economy has contracted to the point that many, many owners and managers are being squeezed right now. And that could continue for some time. We all have hard choices to make, and I'm simply here to say that you're not a blood-gurgling pagan or a mammon worshiper just for cutting staff or other things like benefits to save your business. This is particularly true for small family businesses when, which carry the hope of multi-generational viability with them. Don't let our baby biz die is an actual godly feeling. We don't, this is our little baby. Gosh, we've got this We've got this farm and we're going to have to make cuts to our helpers because we got to keep this farm going because we want our grandchildren to work this farm. That's a good godly instinct. We're trying to we're trying to keep this thing going. Your business is a life preserver for many people and it will be for as long as it's viable. So remember, making money is noble. And when I say making money is noble, I put a little link into the uh, blog to a book called Thou Shall Prosper by Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Um, that's an excellent book um, that just freaking fires me up. And what he does in that book is he talks about um, biblical financial principles which he says the Jewish people have been following forever. And he's like, I just want to share some of them with you. And his first chapter, which was really challenging to me when I first read it, because I I came from, I was a songwriter that went on mission trips to Haiti and Nigeria whenever I could. I mean, I, I, that's, I'm, not, I'm not naturally wired to think, business-wise. Um, I'm just a, I'm a, I was a liberal arts major. I like literature. That's just the way that I have always thought. In his first chapter of Lappin's book, Thou Shall Prosper, which I recommend you get and read, the first chapter is called something like, Making Money is Noble. 
And boy, I never thought of it in those terms, but boy, that was challenging to me to consider that the making of money is noble. Well, as a family leader now with children to support and a business leader who has employees to support, I boy, do I see that. I, I see that. It's noble. <laughs> and with, without it, without millions of people who believe that, um, we don't have an economy. We don't have a country. We certainly don't have homes. We don't have neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just closing off by saying, remember that the making of money is noble and protecting your business is not immoral. So I want you to think of that. I want you to think of that from a, a, a micro standpoint of your home budget and that cutting things so that you stay under budget. This is not a time to be borrowing money and to go going into debt um cut your budget as you need to we certainly have around my home and it's been a great exercise i can say we're tighter as a family um than we were 9 months ago um and we're making it just fine but boy we cut our budget down um and i want you to think that way with your business and don't you don't have to apologize to anybody if you have to let people go to keep your business viable to stay out of debt, um, et cetera. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, I bless you in your business endeavors. I bless you in your financial home management and in your leadership as a father and husband, if you are a husband, but you're a leader and a disciple of Christ wherever you go. Thanks for your time.